welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast that deals with the intricacies of planning worship with and for your faith community. I am Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries at Discipleship Ministries, the General Agency of the United Methodist Church, located here in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. The podcast has been developed to discuss ways to plan worship experiences using the Common Lectionary, along with acknowledging other special days and events throughout the liturgical year. Our goal is always to assist you in creating corporate worship celebrations that are engaging, relevant, and adaptable for your church setting. However, during these unprecedented days of social distancing and leading online worship, we have endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help congregations stay engaged and feel connected even from a distance. So today I have with me as my special guest, Jeffrey Campbell, who is the Associate General Secretary here at Discipleship Ministries. Now, due to the coronavirus, our building is still closed and the entire Discipleship Ministries staff is working remotely. So Jeff and I are recording this podcast from our homes. So Jeff, welcome. I'm glad that you're a part of this. I and I appreciate you responding to the invitation. But why don't you introduce yourself to the folks who may not know you? Uh, begin by having you tell us a little bit about what you do at Discipleship Ministries, but also how COVID-19 has changed what you, you do, changed your approach to your ministry. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Derek. I appreciate it. And as one who's seen Derek in action preaching, um, just a very talented individual, and we are blessed to have him as a part of the programming staff at Discipleship Ministries. So I guess I would say I'm like the editor or publisher for the world service side of Discipleship Ministries, um, primarily coordinating our programming, which is worship, uh, congregational vitality and intentional discipleship, community engagement, and church planting, or Path One. Um, and I just try to coordinate all those online uh, resources and uh, try to coordinate what churches need and what we produce. Um, this time of COVID-19 has definitely been challenging um, for us. Uh, we've all tried to shift and uh, listen carefully for what churches are needing. Uh, more and more, it's to support churches in their online discipleship. So as churches get their worship online, um, they start to realize there's more about discipleship that we also need to get online. So we're working um, uh, really hard to get more resources around strengthening the online discipleship up and running for churches. And then, of course, in recent weeks, um, with the death of George Floyd, we've been asking how do we shift our work and challenge and support the church with resources for becoming explicitly anti-racist through our discipleship. So we're um, also busy um, shifting to um, support the church in that way. So that's what we've been up to and pretty much what I do. And you do it well. I, I appreciate, Jeff, how you manage to coordinate a bunch of people who probably aren't all that coordinated most of the time. <laughs> But you keep the vision in front of us. It comes from you and from our General Secretary, Junius Dotson. Um, and you do that well. Keep us on track. And I do appreciate that. However, that's not why I asked you to come <laughs> to talk on this podcast. Um, although we do appreciate all that work and the work that we do at Discipleship Ministries. But I wanted to talk specifically to you because I think you're a preacher. 
all of us who have served the church at any time in our ministry uh, have become preachers. We're preachers, a part of our identity, and always will be. So I wanted to talk a little bit about preaching today, and eventually to talk about preaching in this new world that that's created around us, both in terms of content, but also in terms of process, um, this online and person in-person kind of thing. And But we'll get to that in a moment. I want to back up a little bit and talk a little more generally about preaching. So let me just ask that general question. Why preach at all? You were in the local church for a while, Jeff. What, what did preaching mean for you? Um, every... Every Sunday, it was an opportunity to um, offer a word that would meet people where they were and connect them in real ways with this beautiful ancient text that we decide to read and study and um, contemplate, particularly the words of Jesus. Um, And I, I often thought on Sundays, you know, they could be anywhere. They could be at Home Depot. They could be uh, a Target or shopping. Um, but I knew that if they came to our church, they needed a word. They needed um, a word from God, some piece of knowledge and education that would help them wherever they were in their life. But I think most importantly, um, they needed inspiration. They needed to feel the presence of God and the Holy Spirit and to help them connect their current lives with this bigger story unfolding um, through the grace of God. So that, that's been my kind of big why for preaching, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I also hear in, in your answer to the question a little bit of the coordinating role there, too, that the preacher, in a sense, coordinates all the life of the church and, and that the, the preaching moment is, is one of those times where we all gather together and perhaps lift up some of the things that we're doing as a church, but also individuals are doing in their lives and connecting it with this ancient story, as you said, this, this larger word that's beyond there. So, so preaching is, is a way to exercise leadership in the church. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I always knew now, I don't think I was effective every Sunday, but I always knew when I was effective in preaching when either through emails or immediate conversations, people were were moved to do something, to change something, to reflect on something. And uh, sometimes it was, had nothing to do with what I just offered in, in the Word, but I knew um, that I was successful in letting the Holy Spirit work through me as I listened to what the, what the congregation uh, needed in their discipleship when, you know, I got those emails and those calls or the, or the connections later, just some wanting to do something. I I knew they were moved. And that, that, that was often when I said, okay, I I think I I preached a good word today. (laughs) When, when the word connects to their lives, you know, that's, that's when you see something happening. Yeah. Right. When, when you're leading in a direction, you use the word inspiration. They they come from for an inspiration. How do you define that? What does inspiration mean? And how did you, as a preacher, seek inspiration in preparation for preaching? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
Well, there's there's plenty of bland out there. There's there's plenty of things we could watch or see that uh, offer no inspiration. So so maybe I know what's not inspiration. <laughs> um, but I was always um, I was always aware that if they chose this hour, hour and a half, two hours to be in this place, um, it needed to be beyond the mundane. It needed to, to um, really dig deep and connect the human condition with um, the kingdom of God or the desired uh, future that God might have for us and our lives. And, and I find that very inspiring. I mean, that's why I became a pastor. Um, so I think for me, if I'm inspired, I'm better at communicating that to others. So staying fresh in my own life, uh, paying attention to the things that excite me. Um, I remember one, uh, vacation we were in Vermont and, um, there was a concert going on and it was all Beatles music. And I just, I just watched as people of all ages danced and sung along Mm. to these amazing songs of the Beatles. And so I was inspired in that moment, but I got to thinking, what is it about the Beatles? What is it about these lyrics about this music that is inspiring people? There's something there. There's something about the human condition that's there. And so that inspired me. And then I went back to the church and we did a whole Beatles series and I got to explore that. And so um, that was probably one of the best series we ever did. And, but it, it started with me being inspired and me asking this question of why is, it, um, why is it inspiring people of all ages? We need to, we need to uncover that. And then in that process, I, I realized how, how much the, the biographies of the Beatles uh, connected to a real deep longing in life. Um, and so we would explore back to the gospel lessons, you know, what did God and Jesus say about those similar human conditions, that similar longing for life? Um, and I think that, you know, looking for things like that, or watching and paying attention to myself and when I'm inspired, and then sharing that in an authentic way to those who are gathered uh, was the best way I did it. So uh, in part, it's it's raising your vision. You know, you you have a a momentary experience, but it also lifts you up to a new level. And you see something more, you see something bigger and say, how can we connect to this bigger thing? Right, In, right. Yeah, inspiration opens us up to, to all kinds of possibilities. And, and the word itself, of course, means the spirit has come in and the spirit is a part of that. And we open ourselves up to God and God's action in right. and around us. Absolutely. So along that process, then, as, as you're trying to inspire, trying to lift up people, what did you discover in your preaching ministry about the how, about what was working and what was not working? What experimental kinds of things did, did you try when you were serving in the church? Um, I found that um, the further out I planned, the, the more long-term preparation, um, it allowed it just increased um, the excellence of both the sermon and what we offered in worship. It also allowed me 
to listen more long-term to the Holy Spirit and my worship team and what people were working on, what was working in their lives, um, and listening for um, the congregation, what these disciples were struggling with, um, what they might need next. And I found this long, longer-term preparation, whether it was a worship series, um, sometimes in, um, you know, using the the, um, the lectionary, um, but planning this out actually created more space for listening and for the Holy Spirit to work and refine the ideas. And I think that that how is what. Um, um, suited me best in, in, in the preaching. Of course, uh, you also need to pay attention to the Spirit moving that particular week. And there were moments when you scrapped everything you had just planned and said, the Spirit's moving this way. And, um, and that happens. And um, you need to be open and, and listening for that as well. So that, that's probably the biggest pieces on how um, that served me well in preaching. I remember when I encountered uh, Adam Hamilton's book, Unleashing the Word, and he talked about a two-year process for pre- preparing sermons. That blew me away the first mm-hmm. time I read it. But the the closer I got to that ideal, just like you say, it it did help. It did help us follow a longer path and to hear the Spirit at work in that. So certainly long-term planning is, a, is an excellent thing. The scariest, as a teacher preaching, the scariest thing I ever hear preachers say is, I was thinking on my way to the pulpit what I was going <laughs> to say right. to you today. It's almost offensive in a way. So yeah, preparation certainly is a part of that, too. But the other thing that I've noticed, um, I did a lot of training in communication studies and media. And, and this whole idea of engaging in conversation as opposed to monologic kind of approaches to that. Did you find a, 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 an urge or a need to, to include others in the, both the preparation, but also in the delivery of a sermon? Um, yeah, yeah, we did. Um, I, I kind of tended to preach that way anyway, it, it, as a conversation. Um, and I found that was really needed for speaking to the younger generations. They did not want a lecture mm. and they did not want them, someone to tell them, <clears throat> this is how to think. This is, here's the text and this is exactly what it means. Um, so I have never been a preacher that, that came from that perspective. I, it was always from a sense of wonder of asking good questions, of inviting and engaging people to ask their own good questions. Um, so that's just the type of, of preacher I am, and I found actually connects to, to the most uh, majority of age groups uh, as I was preaching. And, you know, one service I added in, in, in one um, place where I served, it was more of a much more um, laid back uh, it was downstairs in the fellowship hall and we did a very intentional conversation style with the sermon. It was a much longer sermon, but it, it would pose questions, have table discussion and, and back and forth. And I found that to be really invigorating as a preacher 
to have a general guideline, some general ideas, and then to listen for how the spirit might move all of us. And it, you know, much, much more difficult. I mean, you have, it's some, some Sundays you're out of control. It was, you know, you know, people sharing, but, um, but it was very life affirming and life giving. Um, and I tried to do that in the more traditional uh, sermons too. There would be moments where I would try to have people engage with one another or ask questions, uh, discuss with one another. Um, I would also tend to use uh, theater or uh, different ways of doing the sermon. And and Derek, I've seen you do this as well. But uh, I remember doing one sermon where I had asked the person ahead of time if I could take them and walk them around the sanctuary as I gave the sermon. And I was asking questions really about this person and their belonging to this community and helping them reflect. And I had gotten permission ahead of time. Um, But what I didn't expect was um, this person to begin just crying kind of uncontrollably Mm -hmm. during. Mm -hmm. And, and afterwards he said, you know, I've always, I always knew I belonged here, but this was the first time that I felt it because you were speaking it into being. And I was looking at the eyes of the people as we walked around. So things like that, that gets us out of the pulpit, that embodies what we're trying to say, um, really worked well in, in, in my preaching, I think. It, it calls for a certain amount of flexibility and, and the ability of the preacher to think on his or her feet. Uh, and some feel uh, like they're not prepared to do that. But actually, the more you do it, the more it fits into that kind of flow. I mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I also, also recommend when I was teaching that, that we develop the ability to watch the congregation as we preach, you know particularly difficult for manuscript preachers who may be tied to a manuscript, but to be able to, to see what people are doing, even if you're not actively engaged with them, they're responding. They're, yes. they're giving you signals. They're saying things and, and you need to be alive to that. And, and if there's a look of puzzlement, you may need to back up and redo something. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one of the preachers I always listen to would say something like, um, are we tracking? You know, periodically, like, are you following? You know, that's helpful, too. Can I get an amen? It's it's the traditional thing of the, are you with me? Are you on board? That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that that leads, I think, to a a time we need to shift a little bit and think about today. I mean, today things have changed because churches, by and large, are almost exclusively online. I know some are beginning to go back, and and there is that. But but what we're hearing at this Object Ministries is that, most churches have realized that their online presence is going to need to continue regardless of what happens because they're connecting with people that they never reached before mm-hmm. in an exclusively in-person kind of thing. So online is going to continue. So as, as now you're not preaching regularly, so you're watching or participating in worship online. What, what are you learning? What are you seeing about that process that may change what preaching is doing or trying to do or or at least how it looks or feels in that have you noticed anything in particular sure um yeah i've been watching a lot just to see what what people are doing in this moment um i have found that the ones that i mean i guess it it depends on the 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 person viewing 
But for me personally, I have um, felt like the ones that were uh, a closer a camera angle with more of a, a meditation feel or talking directly to me um, seemed more effective to me because the online you're sitting at home in the couch, you know, it feels kind of relaxed. So you kind of want that to be mirrored in the preaching. I think you want someone who's speaking in a relaxed way in a conversational way. Um, that for me has worked best. And I've also seen some that are in the sanctuary, full robe, you know, uh, all the colors, everything. Um, and that to me just feels a little more distant. Like I, I'm, I'm connecting a little less, uh, unless the camera person, um, you know, has a close angle and the pastor in general is conversational and speaking to the camera. Um, so I think that's really key um, that it's not cold and speaking off to the side or something. I think that's really been important for me in watching some of the online worship and online preaching. That in, in fact, what, what you're responding to and what I've responded to uh, is the intimacy the intimacy is actually increased. We we sometimes think it should be the opposite because now we've gone online and it's a screen and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but in fact, in a in a sanctuary, there's a certain amount of distance and and with a larger crowd, you know, even twenty or thirty, you know, let alone two or three hundred around you, there's a disconnect that's there. Now it's just me and you, you know, mm-hmm. just the preacher and and me, the viewer, or my family and and the preacher. So I'm longing for that acknowledgement that you're talking to me, that you're a part of that. Too. Right. So and, that, and I've actually heard some preachers say something like the technology is keeping us distant from one another. Um, and every time I hear that, I'm like, no, no, the te- <laughs> right. COVID is keeping us distant from one another. The right. technology is, is connecting us in some beautiful ways if we're open to it. Coming into living rooms, you know, where instead of, you know, instead of going to this neutral building called the church, now we're in their homes, you know, right right there in front of them. So, yeah, I I think there's some great possibility that's here. But you're right. It it takes a certain amount of ability to connect with the technology. And by this, I don't necessarily mean that you've got to be an expert camera person. You know, we're all fumbling through this to a degree. You know, here we're recording this on Zoom, and I'm not always sure when to cut in and all that, as opposed to sitting around a table like we used to do our podcast. So, so yeah, the technology can be a handicap, but the, but to be able to use it and to say I'm going to talk to the camera as if it was that person. Mm-hmm. I even said in one setting I was I was speaking to a, a, a district group of preachers who were asking this question about online preaching, and I said it may be a time to throw away the manuscript or to post your manuscript online. Say, I wrote this great sermon. You ought to go read it. But this format isn't the best way for me to deliver it. Instead, let me just talk to you about the most important part, Mm -hmm. the part I really want you to know. It's about connecting uh, to the meat of that in a sense. Um, And some are also experimenting with responses. You know, on the comment side, you can make a comment and respond to that or or somehow with that. But but even without that, there's this sense of of dialogue and and presence there. Mm -hmm. I guess the other thing I'd like to respond to, Jeff, when you talked about that relaxed feel, and I agree wholeheartedly, that that hominess, that, that intimacy that's there. But by relax, we don't mean 
less important, that, right. that it doesn't matter anymore. Because sometimes when we talk about relaxing, we talk about uh, who cares, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not that at all. I think we still lean into the conversation. Um, but it's the formality of the setting, perhaps, and, and the disconnect that, that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are lots of, I think there are lots of ways that we can engage with the, with the technology uh, to do that. I guess one, one question for going forward is, as the churches open and people begin to return back uh, into sanctuaries, how, in your view, do we maintain this link between the congregation we see in front of us and the congregation viewing online somewhere? You know, how- right. Yeah, I think we're going to have to be a lot more intentional about connecting those who are online with the rest of the uh, worshiping community. Um, so I, I don't want online to become the uh, extra thing that we do, but really to start to see online as a part of all that we do, both in worship and discipleship. Um, and, and all the stories that I'm hearing from churches is that their online worship has, in some cases, doubled, and they're trying to figure out who these new people are. Uh, who are only connecting online. Some are out of state, some are out of country. Um, I, I think that is both a challenge and a joy for the church right now um, to realize we are now connecting with new people and we can't just stop that when we're able to go back to in-person worship. Um, for whatever reason, um, some people have decided to join us online when they never came to our church. And it, it's more comfortable. It's, I, we don't know all the reasons. But the, the main point is they now are connected. And so we, we can't lose that. We need to continue that online presence with uh, the same intentionality that we plan our worship services. And I, w- I would recommend, uh, number one, identifying those folks and getting to know them. And then finding ways to pre-record and include them back into the in-person worship with pre-recorded prayers or readings or uh, uh, sharing witness stories of faith. Um, but then seeing, seeing us as a whole, both online and in person, I think that would be a healthy way for us to, to move forward. I, I agree with that. I, I have heard of some congregations who are who are creating an online pastor. And so as somebody who just deals with the online community and someone who just deals with the in-person community. And I can understand that. And uh, for those who have the resources, and, and that seems a good way to go. But I really like this idea of blending somehow together. Uh, one of the churches that, that I've been watching here in Nashville um, in the greeting time, they have recorded videos, as you said, people throughout the week record their, the peace of Christ be with you. And, and those flash across during that time. And so we see all these people scattered all over the place. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's about being a part of, of that whole and, and bringing them in. Absolutely. I, I even ran across a church uh, a few weeks ago that started talking about, we've now decided we're going to allow for online membership. Yes, to be an online member of this church, and they were giving a process about how you could inquire about membership and never go to the church. You know, some That's of these right. people, as you say, may have been in a different country or a different state, and 
and now, yeah. but they'll be a part of the church. Yeah. I heard two great stories. I heard um, one church in Atlanta who just welcomed their first entire online class of people both from Atlanta and from other places. And then I heard of a church that had started a Bible study online and had connected with um, some Christians in Iraq. And through this online presence, now a, a church is forming in Iraq. So, I mean, wow. that, that kind of gives me chills that, yeah. that what we do online can have that kind of power and uh, presence elsewhere throughout the world. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, b- before we wrap up, I'm, I want to go to a specific. You you said something about occasionally when you were preparing sermons that you had to throw it all away and do go with the moment. I suspect a lot of preachers were that way on Pentecost this year, yes, after the yeah. George Floyd and the the protests had just begun and all of that, and they and they threw that away. Mm-hmm. Um, I I will say just as a little plug on our discipleship uh, site, we now have a a link to a number of sermons of people who did that. And so we're just showing an example of how some people responded. to that. Um, but, but what do you feel is the call of the church today? Particularly I'm thinking of the white church because we're still a majority white church. And, and how do we address this issue from the pulpit? Is the pulpit the best place or do we point at something and then do it in conversations and small groups and all of that? Where do you, where do you come down on, on that general issue there? Um, it definitely has to happen from the pulpit, um, but it should happen and it should start to um, infuse everything we do in the church. It should, we should be having a whole nother conversation about what it means to be a disciple. Um, and we should have been having it for decades, quite honestly. Um, so yes, I think it 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 must come from the pulpit. I mean, the Sunday after all of this happened, the the services I was listening for, I was I was listening for pastors. Will you say their names? Mm-hmm. And will you call racism out for what it is, sin? And will you challenge us to make some changes and to do our part, like? the so what of our discipleship and this gospel. Because if it doesn't speak to this, it's not worth it, you know, and I I believe it does. So how do we as preachers connect uh, what Jesus taught in real and practical ways that if we say we're followers of Jesus, um, how are we to be and respond in this moment? Um, it's, It's a, it's, I know a lot of pastors are uncomfortable, and I think it's okay to say that. I think honesty and authenticity, it's okay, but you got to say it. You can't just ignore it and do uh, another you know, worship series on joy or something, right? Mm-hmm. It, it would be tone deaf in this moment. But I would say um, beyond the preaching, it needs to be in our small groups and our discipleship curriculum in our vacation Bible school, you know, how are, how is this moment going to change what it means to be a disciple? Uh, I think that's fundamental to what we should be working on as a church in this moment. Um, And, you know, we're still in this COVID moment where people have lost 
loved ones and they're coming back mourning they've lost jobs um so how do we name those things and honor those things and how do we realize that new people were born in the past few months <laughs> and uh there were the, there's going to be need, needing baptisms and there were people who uh offered professions of faith so there are some things that we're going to need to celebrate as we gather back together so it's a it's a really difficult time where i think we um we just need to name all of the things and 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 try to hit it uh as authentically as we can from from our hearts but i also think and and you were heading here to say it's not a one and done kind of thing it's oh, not no, i need to make no. a comment on on racism this week and then i can say i covered that but it's it's an ongoing thing absolutely yeah. One of the things we do at Discipleship Ministries is talk about intentional discipleship, and, and we've invited churches to, to develop their systems, their process, whereby people are made into disciples. And perhaps now's the time to go back and look at that and say, what's included? Mm-hmm. And where does race and race relations fit into that category? It's not an extra. It's now essential. It's a core to that. That's, that's what I heard you saying in, yeah. in, in that description. Absolutely. It's a, it is a difficult time, but it's also a, a rich time because, because so much is going on and we can do that. I appreciate you taking the time today, Jeff, to, to share with us a little bit about your thinking about preaching. We're still in the process of, of developing some more. I'm working on a webinar uh, on online preaching and, and we'll raise some of these things, so watch for that. But I guess to sum up, we'll say that throughout the history of homiletics, preaching has gone through changes. And we'll continue to do so, especially in these days. What is clear in my mind, and I think you'd agree with this, Jeff, is that there's still a place for preaching of the word in the church today. Absolutely. So even as we open the door to new and different ways of proclaiming, we, we hold fast to that, that central truth that the word is complained. How will they hear without someone to speak? So we invite everyone to stay tuned for more in our Worship Matters podcast and in the upcoming Preaching Matters webinar series. We say thank you to those who are listening. Appreciate you joining us. We hope it was helpful to you. And remember, you can always find more information at our website at umcdiscipleship.org. Until next time, we at Discipleship Ministry will, will be praying for and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you continue to make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.